Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? Hopefully everyone's having a good Friday or good weekend. Here's the game plan. We'll talk a little football, a little Burrow, a little Devontae, a little McAfee. And uh, instead of doing a mailbag this weekend and probably next weekend as well, because it's a holiday weekend, I- I'm just going to add it on to Friday's pod. So at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show and uh, and yeah, so we'll talk a little football. We'll do a little mailbag. That's the game plan. Obviously, live on AMP every single day of the week. So make sure you download that app. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Volume's got a lot of content up there. A lot of content. And uh, check out the merch store. You want to get a three and out hat? They look good. Thevolume.com. Search merch. And uh, check out those go low hats. They look good. Three and out hats are coming. Other than that, any other housekeeping, make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out Feed if you listen on Collins' uh, podcast. Greatly appreciated. Leave a review if you could. That that always helps. And yeah, I think that's probably should do it. But first, before we dive into some football, can I tell you about my friends at Game Time, the official ticketing app of this show? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to download the Game Time app on your phone and use the promo code JOHN and get $20 off to concerts, baseball games. You want to do something fun this summer? Of course you do. You want to get outside, take in the sun, have some drinks, enjoy yourself. Do it on me. Download the Game Time app, fastest growing ticketing app in America. You can go to any sporting event, any concert, any comedy show. And when you use the promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, you get $20 off your pair of tickets. Can't beat it. Let's start with... uh, couple big stories this week were Devontae Adams and Joe Burrow, two of the best players in the league, you know, kind of drew some headlines. There was a long article on Devontae Adams, and there were some quotes from Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow talked about his contract because he is contract extension eligible. And he's clearly, you know, got a chance to go down as, you know, one of the best players in franchise history, if not the best. Got a long way to go, but I'd say his career is... His career trajectory is pointing up right at the sky, right? It's already headed there. Uh, And he talked about the importance of other people getting paid. And listen, he's not dumb. He understands that for them to keep rolling, he can't do it by himself, right? LSU, loaded team. The last couple of years, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, offensive weapons, a good defense. He gets it, right? It's why we hold when guys act like idiots at the quarterback position, you know, we can't take them seriously, right, over the years. Like when when that contract clause was in Kyler Murray's contract, it was an enormous story, not because of the clause, but because it was a quarterback. We're like, what? How is this possible? Now, here's the thing. The Chiefs and the Bengals are a fantastic rivalry right, right now, right? They've played back-to-back conference championships. They've each won one. Uh, both games could have gone either way. You could argue the two best quarterbacks in the league. Obviously, Mahomes is the best, and Joe Burrow is right there in conversation. I know they beat Josh Allen, but you know I, th- I think that's fair to, for up for debate. But here's the thing: the Chiefs have maintained this winning with everyone being paid. Right, Patrick Mahomes has a large contract. Travis Kelsey, they're lucky, plays a position that does not command offensive tackle or defensive end or wide receiver money, right? They have a highly, highly paid defensive lineman in Chris Jones. 
They made a pivot off Tyreek Hill because of financial constraints, and it's impossible to pay everybody. And the thing when you look at the Bengals roster, which is going to be interesting, because Joe Burrow is getting extended. Jamar Chase is never going anywhere. I think what you have to ask yourself a question is, can you afford to pay two premium wide receivers? Now, T. Higgins would get less than Jamar Chase, but ideally when you build your team, you kind of spread it out through different positions. You can't have two 20-plus million-dollar wide receivers for several years. It's just not going to work out. There was a reason that the 49ers, I think, discussed trading Brandon Ayuk, not because he's not a sweet player, because they're paying Debo Samuel huge money. And if they were to ex- extend Ayuk or next year on his fifth-year option, there would be a lot of money allocated to two guys at a premium position, right? So it becomes very complicated. And it's the hard part about team building in the NFL is ideally over you know a several-year period, you have a sweet defensive lineman, you have a sweet offensive lineman, you have one sweet wide receiver. Obviously, you need more than one, but you have other guys that aren't being paid as much. And it's going to be very, very fascinating. I, I remember talking to a buddy on the Chiefs. He's like, they're good. I mean, obviously. I mean, it's, you watch the two teams, and it could have gone either way this year in the conference championship game. Basically, we'll see what it looks like once they start paying everybody. And, you know, Higgins is going to be the cheapest, and he's 20 plus million dollars a year. Even if Joe Burrow, quote unquote, takes some sort of discount, he's making 45 plus. Jamar Chase in a year is going to command, you know, Justin, Je- whatever Justin Jefferson gets this year, probably a couple percent more. So the three of those guys, if they build, if they extend the ball and clearly Burrow and Chase are going nowhere, I do understand the Higgins. It just puts him in a tough spot. Now, I'm not into trading T. Higgins, but I just wonder, can you afford to pay everybody and build a competitive roster big picture? I I do think that's a fair question, Mark, to ask. And I think when you look at the Bengals and Joe Burrow gets this, it's probably going to be a little more complicated than you think. Like the Chiefs were lucky. Kind of was pretty easy, right? They had a quarterback. They had a defensive pass rusher. They had one wide receiver. And their other sweet player played a position that, like sometimes when your best player is like a middle linebacker or a safety or a tight end, you get financially lucky because their positions do not ask for the prices. Like, is is there any difference between Travis Kelsey and Devontae Adams in terms of production, in terms of the ability to win with, or Tyreek Hill? Obviously not. Like, he's every bit as good is all the elite players at the wide receiver position. Well, Google their salaries. (laughs) The Chiefs save a dramatic amount of money because his position. Now, we could argue that's unfair, and I believe it is. Like, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are worth every bit, you know, of $23, $24, $25 million a year. But that's not what their position pays, right? So it'll be very, very fascinating how the Bengals handle all this because they got keeper players, But the three guys you want to keep, their salaries would add up really, really fast. And could they compare? Could they, you know, build a complete team? Which they've, I would say, they've close to had the last several years. Obviously, they had some flaws. You would like a little bit better offensive line. Uh, You know, you could argue their corners could be much improved. But you know, I mean, you get to a Super Bowl with a very good chance to win, and you have an opportunity to win on the road again against the Chiefs, like. Your team's pretty damn good. And one of the reasons it's been so good is because financially they've had a lot of advantages. All these guys are on rookie contracts. And that's about to change. (laughs) Devontae Adams. Uh, If you haven't read the Ringer article, I I skimmed through it. I'm sure you've seen a lot of the headlines. And let me preface everything by saying this. I love Devontae Adams. Uh, He's a Fresno State guy. Uh, We didn't overlap, but... A lot of people that I worked with did. They swear by him. They love him. Everyone I've ever known that has been around the guy, you know, swears by the work ethic, the drive, the desire. His production and game speaks for itself. He's not just a winning player. He's a winning person. You want him in your organization. And I do understand that it's tough, right? For most of our lives, and I say this all the time, we have such a long runway in whatever we do. In sports, it's 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 very short, right? Even if you're an all-time great player, like 
he's trending toward being, his career might be 15 years, right? <laughs> 15 years. If he lives till 80, it's really a short period of time in his life. But it's it's a job that pays more than any other job you'll ever have unless you start some successful business. And it, it's it's just a very unique situation for pro athletes. He was in Green Bay for 10 years, one of the most successful organizations in the league. And I, I get being from the West Coast, how he might have, you know, he's admitted this. He, he wanted to change the scenery. He wanted to do something different and he wanted to get back toward the West Coast. And, and I respect that. My only pushback is in football, when you're part of a winner, like when you're as good as Devontae is or any player around the league who's an all pro level guy consistently, you're going to do two things. You're going to produce and you're going to be very, very rich. Those things are inevitable, right? And especially money. Like no matter who Devontae played for, he's going to be paid a premium. So I do think when you're factoring in where you're going to play, at wide receiver, you can't really control how good your team's going to be, right? Aaron Rodgers can immediately turn the Jets into a power. He, he can take them right to the playoffs and in the Super Bowl mix immediately. But if I just added Devontae Adams to the Jets instead of Aaron Rodgers, and they still had, let's say they still had Mike White and Zach Wilson, I, I think we'd all agree they, you know, maybe a game, but there, there would not be a dramatic difference. I put Aaron Rodgers and he plays at a high level, which clearly he's capable of, they immediately can win 12 games. So as a wide receiver, and just like most positions, if you're a star left tackle, if you're a star linebacker, you can only dictate so much. So when you decide to leave, which I respect, I've made change of scenery several times. But when you do that, you can't really complain, right? Because you chose this. And the Packers wanted to keep him, and he says, I want to go. And one thing he said a lot through this article was he needed to prove that he was an elite player, that it wasn't because of Aaron Rodgers. And I wonder sometimes with this generation, like historically athletes, especially great ones, always try to find some way to create a chip in their shoulder, chip on their shoulder, create an edge for themselves, create some sort of motivation, which I totally respect. Everyone does. But I do think when he said that out loud, like, I don't know who said that. Like, who has ever said, I don't know if Devontae would be good without Aaron Rodgers, especially the last several years. Also, it'd be one thing if it felt like some sort of, I don't want to say battle between the two, but Aaron Rodgers has been pretty outspoken the last several years that the two best players he's ever played with are Charles Woodson, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and Devontae Adams, who is definitely trending that way. So I actually don't think there's some like what this player would be without the other guy. Hell, we saw it last year. Tyreek Hill immediately turned himself into that. And how good would Patrick Mahomes be without him? And boom, he wins the MVP, wins another Super Bowl. And Tyreek dominates. Sometimes independent from each other, those two guys are awesome, right? Rob Gronkowski would have been sweet wherever. Tom Brady could play with whoever. Like sometimes great combinations work, right? But if you split the two guys apart, they would still have a lot of success. But he chose to leave the Packers, which was his choice to go to one of the most dysfunctional organizations we've ever seen. And in the internet age, a franchise that always loses. I mean, they've made the playoffs two times in basically two and a half decades. And their two playoff bursts, they've lost both of them. And they were both on the road. One of them, they got destroyed the year when Derek got hurt. Two years ago against the Bengals, game wasn't really as close as the final score indicated, even though the Raiders had a chance to tie it at the end. But Devontae has to justify, and it felt like he was trying to do this in the article, why he made this move. And he kept doubling down, like, I didn't just make this move, you know, for Derek Carr, which clearly, you know, it's not like he demanded a trade once Derek got sent home and is now on another team. But one thing he couldn't hide, and I don't totally blame him, is... Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a great quarterback fit for him. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is not, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, but even Derek in terms of explosive balls down the field. Like, I think Devontae realizes this is not going to be conducive to my success. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo in his time starting with San Francisco and wide receivers who flourished in terms of numbers. <laughs> Didn't really happen. I mean, Debo was getting the ball as a running back. Run quick screens, not really down the field, 
right? So I, I think Devontae knows like this is not going to be great for me. But like you signed up for this. You wanted to leave Aaron Rodgers to go to the Raiders who lose a lot and also have a coach. It'd be one thing if you went to a team and they had a coach, they had just hired a coach with a lot of success. Like Josh McDaniels as a head coach has been an utter disaster. So I, I get where, and I don't want to say he's being defensive, but he's trying to justify a move that I think most football fans go, yeah, probably not working out great. But trying to say, like, I'm proud to be an all-pro. Devontae, you could be an all-pro playing with the Houston Texans. You're that great of a player. I, but I think, like, you chose to go to this franchise. You know, I, it, it's going to be very, very difficult to win. In that division, you know, especially now that Sean Payton's there, I, I think most human beings, and this is not, like, personal, are going to choose the Raiders to finish last. And it's going to be very difficult. Like, I'll be surprised if they don't. And, uh, you know, this is situations already kind of getting a little weird with them saying, I don't think we quite see eye to eye on the offense. And not sure where we're going. Yeah, man. I mean, this is what you signed up for. Before we dive into what's next, do you know that Angie's list is now Angie, your home for everything home? And as someone who is currently house shopping and who has bought property before you walk in, you go, well, I need to fix the kitchen. I need to want to improve this bathroom. I want to fix some stuff in the backyard. And then you go, well, I don't do this for a living. Where do I even start? Who do I even contact? That's where Angie has 20 years of experience combined with new tools to simplify the process. Over 220,000 pros in their network. They can help you get the best price for your product. They have new projects that are priced upfront and clearly lays out the cost before you buy. With Angie, you can request quotes from multiple pros in your area. The pros in your network are locally based. In just a few taps in the Angie app or click on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project from start to finish. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. 
and then Carvin and Junie. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A couple other quick stories. There was um, a report several days ago that David Cantor, an agent, a high-profile agent, had been offering teams and GMs and personnel people basically his vacation homes, Miami, Salt Lake City, I don't exactly know where all of them are, if they would draft his players. <laughs> you know, and, and one, I, I thought it was kind of funny. Obviously, you know, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, made a very big deal of it. My first reaction was like, isn't that kind of business? You know, isn't part of business, whatever industry you're in listening to this is kind of taking care of your clientele. You know, the two industries I'm the most closest to growing up and, you know, most of my friends work in are either farming or construction. And I think there are a lot of parallels to the two of them in terms of taking care of the people you do business with or taking care of people that you want to do business with, whether it be golf trips, suites at games. For a long period of time when I was growing up, the guy my dad worked for had basically the best duck hunting in California. And a lot of people, you know, business-wise, were taken out there for, you know, business deals. <laughs> like, welcome to America. Isn't that the way it kind of works? Now, just because you take a guy to Pebble Beach or some sweet duck blind or the Laker or Yankee game never guarantees you you're going to get the deal. Like you still have to, you know, whether it be construction, hit a certain number, have the capability of, you know, getting the job done. So just because I wine and dine you or offer you some incentive, like this is, this is too big a business. Most, most industries, including the NFL to just be like, well, you know, this guy took me to Pebble Beach, LACC, a Laker game and paid for two weeks of dinners. He's getting my business, even though he's way shittier than the other guy who didn't do that and will make me more money. That's not the way it works. Definitely not in 2023. So yeah, he can offer me a Miami condo or wherever his vacation homes may be, but no GM is going to draft your player just because you give me a week free on the beach for my family if the guy can't play. Just like in a construction bid, I'm not going to get the bid if I am way under the number just because I took care of you and if you know that my company can't handle the job. So this notion that this shit doesn't go on, you'd either be naive, not work in the private sector, or just not quite understand how the world works. But two, anyone thinking that someone would just draft a player if you don't think the guy can play? because of a couple nights stay. Like one reason that it's going to be very difficult, like when you hear some of these stories, you know, the Alabama baseball coach just got fired for giving tips about a pitcher being scratched. And historically, there have been stories about guys throwing games in college. It's very, very difficult in 2023. And, and I don't worry about this at all with a, with a player or a coach Definitely in any pro sports, but probably even now in college, in football, in NIL, when it comes to gambling, because they're all making too much money. Back when a player wasn't making that much money, and if I could offer you double his salary, you might throw the game and I might be able to influence it. But the moment I start making seven figures, eight figures, 50 grand, 100 grand, I don't give a shit. I make $11 million a year if I'm an NFL head coach. If I'm the starting quarterback, whatever. If I'm the starting point guard, even if I'm the starting point guard at UCLA or Duke or North Carolina, I'm making big coin. You can't have Caleb Williams or Drake May throw a game. You know how much money those guys are making? So when I look at this, I go, yeah, he might have offered it. <laughs> Offers get you know thrown out all the time in any sort of industry. 
Can the guy, one of whatever player he has on his roster, help my team win? Do I think he's any good? Because if I don't, then there's no chance on God's green earth I'm going to draft him. My coach is making ten million. As a GM, I'm making anywhere from two to five. My life's too good. Like I, I can't afford to travel wherever the fuck I want. I don't need your free beach house. Now, if I draft the guy because I like it, and then you give me the beach house, like yeah, welcome to life. <laughs> now, can you know Florio and those type of people are going to come after and try to get you know someone in trouble? I'm sure, but to me, it's a to me it's a big nothing burger. The other interesting story is one thing you've really seen uh, in the age of podcasts and YouTube is the rise of these players that once they finish playing or like in Pat McAfee's case, retire early just to start doing content. And just because you're a former player, if you start doing content, you might get an initial boost, but your stuff's got to be good, right? The reason Draymond Green or Pat McAfee or the Kelsey brothers are working is because if you follow or watch, you know, or listen to their content, it's entertaining. Just because, like, if Steph Curry started a podcast tomorrow and it was boring, it would not last. I remember when I was, I owned some Spotify stock and they started just hiring all these people to do podcasts Kim Kardashian, Michelle Obama, all these huge names. And I was thinking, like, well, can any of these guys host a podcast? Is it going to be entertaining? What happened after a year? Dropped them all. Wasn't working, right? Usually podcasts are run by people that know how to entertain. And there are clearly some people in the space that are kind of natural at it, right? That are really, really good. And Pat McAfee is clearly one of those guys. And it was just reported or over the last 24 hours that he's leaving you know, his operation and partnering with ESPN. And there has been a lot of blowback calling him, quote unquote, a sellout. And I have a couple opinions on this. One, I find Pat very entertaining just because he's different. Most of the media bores me. They all throw the same pitch. Every time there's a story, I know the angle they're going to take. There is not a more predictable group in 2023 than just the general media, whether it be in sports, whether it be in politics. You give me someone in the media's name and just give me a story, I'll tell you the angle they're going to take. And Pat's just different. You don't know what he's going to say. He just can come out of left field. He has on fun guests. They fuck around. It's very raw, real, and authentic, which I think we really like in 2023 moving forward. Like I think my generation, people 40 and under, just aren't really into BS. You know, my, my, my parents, you know, the baby boomer generation, people that grew up in earlier generations, they could handle a lot of, you know, just fluff, you know? It just it, society's just a lot different. And I think everyone that's having success now, raw and real is really it. And when you think of ESPN, you don't really feel that way, right? You don't think of that. Now, when I woke up on Thursday morning, I saw a headline from the Wall Street Journal, and this has been well reported in business circles that Disney has been thinking about getting rid of ESPN, right? And just kind of spinning it off into its own entity and selling it to someone. And I do wonder if that element allows Pat, because I think his one of his best attributes, he's got a lot of them, is it's just kind of fearless. He'll say whatever. And because of the platform he's on, YouTube, he, he can swear. He can just say whatever he wants, which will not be tolerated, you know, or at least historically has not been at ESPN. Think about when Pardon My Take, Big Cat and PFT got that van show. And everyone at ESPN freaked the you-know-what out. Part of my take is the biggest sports podcast by a pretty wide margin. They are what anyone would call in business a cash cow. They print money. Do you know what ESPN would have done to get involved with that brand looking back? Yet they were forced because a couple people that women that work for their network, if you replace, not a soul would have noticed, freaked out. And ultimately, they got fired. And you could argue ESPN might be a little different now. I don't know. But, you know, what if Pat pisses someone off and they want him gone? Now, they're paying Pat a lot of money. Maybe times have changed. But clearly, he's got a lot of leverage on this. The most important thing any of us have in the podcast space is something we call IP. Do you own your podcast or does someone else own your podcast? Right? Because if you own your podcast, it's like you own the real estate. 
<laughs> you know, and that's very, very important. And clearly, he had a lot of leverage in the deal. He's going to own his podcast, his YouTube channel. And the one thing ESPN does a couple things, just like any big company that you partner with does, is Pat clearly has a lot of expenses. He's got a lot of people working for him. Well, who do you think immediately then covers their insurance, right? ESPN. Who do you think immediately, I'm sure he got paid more money than he could afford to pay him or you know, feel comfortable paying him? Probably got all his people raises. So he took care of people, right? Which I wonder, which I would imagine is a big driver. The other thing that's going to happen is they're going to put him on ESPN on a daily basis. Like no one is watching. I think Get Up does pretty well with Greenberg, but these other shows, you know, when I was in college, and even I remember moving to Philly, ESPN's lineup in radio was remarkable. It was Mike and Mike, which you could call cheesy or whatever. It was an enormous revenue generating show. The Coward to uh, SVP and Rosillo. And I think Gottlieb was after them. I mean, it was just, it was a bohemian. And they don't care about radio anymore. And part of radio has changed, right? Look at Colin. Is Colin a radio show or is he a television show? Now, Colin's also got podcast networks. He's got a lot going on, but you know, it's, it's a simulcast now. And that's what Pat is. It's a simulcast. That's what all of this is. You got to be on video and you got to be on audio. But I, I do wonder if there are going to be limitations on his authenticity, which is what makes Pat so awesome, what makes you know people kind of gravitate to him. And I bet he, what he would say is, listen, our ceiling, even at YouTube, is only so high. Right. We get, you know, when we get Aaron Rodgers on or a big guest on, we can get six figures watching at one time. But for the most part, we're probably averaging 35, 40, 50K watching at one time. You put us on ESPN, we're immediately five, six hundred. The exposure is dramatically grown. So I always push back when someone calls someone a sellout because like money talks shit walks. And in business, you're either growing or you're dying. So you always got to look to grow. And the more you grow, the more people you add, the more expensive it gets. So I understand why he did it. And I think he understands that made some, you know, kind of like, if you get me, this is what you're getting. The problem is like, you're on television. There are some rules, you know, he's going to have to, and he's even said that, like, there's no, can't just drop an F-bomb, but that, that won't be tolerated. And I think ESPN is trying to, you kind of, you know, figure out a way to be kind of more relevant than they've become. Because I, I felt their brand has never been less strong in my lifetime, right? Forever, it was just trending up, trending up, trending up, trending up. And now it feels like it's carried by a couple guys and, and some games, right? You remove a couple of their newsbreakers, Woj and Schefter in the games. Like, you know, are we really watching much of it? Not really. I, I know I'm not. And I, I am their demo, a 37-year-old sports junkie. And if you don't have either on a live event I want to watch, like today, I'm watching the PGA Championship or a personality I want to watch, and they don't have any one of those anymore, I'm not turning on your channel. And I think ratings speak for itself, the cord cutting, so they, they're trying to adapt. And uh, I give them credit because this is the guy you would go after. I, I just It's going to be fascinating to see if it works. I, I would say that it's going to be bumpy, and people are going to complain. and Because that's just a lot of the type of people they have under their umbrella. Complain a lot. Always bitching and moaning. Always you know, pointing the finger at someone else. And most of those people that are doing that aren't that important. They're very, I, I hate to say it, fireable, replaceable, you know, and Pat now is not, right? So he's, he's kind of untouchable. And it'll be interesting to watch how this all plays out, uh, you know, as he transitions, I would imagine he's by football season, he'll be full-time ESPN. Okay, let's bang out a couple of mailbag questions. Uh, we'll just contain it all to this podcast, like I said earlier. And uh, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. We usually do this on Sunday, but you know the next couple of weeks are gonna be busy. Got uh, got some stuff going on, so I, I thought I would just contain it to this podcast. I've been an avid listener for about a year. I live in Texas. You probably have heard the deal between ESPN and McAfee. The main part that caught my attention is ESPN is letting Pat have full creative control uh, and broadcasting the show live on YouTube. Do you think ESPN big networks start offering similar deals to creators, or is this more of a deal given ESPN's popularity and existing or McAfee's popularity and existing relationship with ESPN? I think they've been courting him now for a while. 
I, I think he what he does is very, very specific, right? I mean, he hosts NFL's King. He hosts an NFL show, dabbles in a little bit of NBA and NHL, but the NFL is his main baby. He gets Aaron Rodgers every week. He gets a ton of guests already without the help of anybody. So it makes a lot of sense. His show is clearly more popular than any, you know, ESPN radio show. That that's for sure. And that's kind of what he is, right? This hybrid simulcast, uh, like we talked about earlier. I just think he had a lot of leverage. That's what life's about, right? When you have no leverage, you do whatever they tell you. When you have all the leverage, you don't need to do this. The most powerful thing McAfee had on his hands was he could say no. So when you can say no, right, are you even willing to say no, even if you don't have as much leverage sometimes like a guy like Pat, you might get a little more. So I think the key with Pat is he did not need them. They needed him more than he needed them, given why I bet his offer was pretty incredible. Uh, Yeah, so I, I think part of it is less about future creators and more about his individual situation, right? And that that's what he just... Yeah, like I said, he's got, he had a lot of leverage. A longtime listener from Australia. Hope you are well. What are your thoughts on the Colts draft grade given by analysts across NFL circles? They've consistently received a high grade from multiple outlets. However, I'm not seeing it. Are these grades just a review of filling roster requirements? Or do you think we actually acquired some solid pieces? Uh, like most, I think AR was definitely a reach, but interested to see how it develops. What's your take on the development, on his development, surrounding his throwing ability and mechanics? Uh, I, I think a lot of draft grades strictly have to do with the people grading you what they thought of those players. So if I loved Anthony Richardson and thought he should go number one overall, and you took him four overall, and I think his upside is higher than any player in the draft, you're going to skew high, right? So then... Let's just focus on their first three players. AR, Kansas State quarterback, Julius Brents, who I remember when they drafted him seeing some highlights. I don't have a scouting report on him. And the fast wide receiver from North Carolina, Josh Downs. Uh, a lot of people like Downs, obviously getting him in the third round. Never forget the Colts once upon a time had a lot of success drafting a third round wide receiver named T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I'm not comparing these two, but... So let's just say they get three starters out of their draft and obviously the quarterback, you know, you know nothing about the draft, right? In terms of how good these guys are going to be. No one has any clue. So I guess my overall take is zero stock into draft grades. Uh, Two, I I think the quarterback, they're swinging for the fences. Year one could be rocky. It's we won't even begin to be able to judge for three years. I think to be a good draft, the corner, the wide receiver, you got an offensive tackle, you got some other defensive players. I think you got to have, you know, four of these next. You had one, two, shit. One, two, three, four, four players in the top 110, and then another guy in the top 150. Beside the quarterback, I, I, I think two of those guys have to be starters. I mean, one thing you guys lacked or the Colts, I guess I'm talking to you like you're Chris Ballard, is play speed, right? So if the wide receiver in the corner, your defense was fine, you know, in theory, your offense just lacks some juice. So if you get a little more juice with this rookie, but sometimes it's hard for rookie wide receivers. I I, I just think, listen, I, I like the mindset of the quarterback, the other guys. I, I can't pretend to have a take. Who the fuck knows? If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. With all this media hype around Darnold, does Lance end up on the practice squad, or will Kyle dress three quarterbacks on game day? If another team signed Lance off our practice squad, would SF save any money salary cap-wise? Well, for him to end up on the practice squad, it would take this. Obviously, everyone beats him out. They would have to cut him. So if they cut him at the 53-man roster construction, he would have to pass through waivers, meaning every team in the league would have to pass on him. Now, if you claimed him, you have to put him on your roster and take his his contract. So the 49ers would be off the hook for his remaining guaranteed salaries this year and next They would still have some dead cap issues because they gave him a signing bonus of whatever, $25 million when they drafted him. But if they cut him and no one claimed him, then they would get double dinged. And then someone could easily claim, you know, sign him to their active roster for much cheaper. I think we're a long ways away from that, but, uh, you know, shit. It's going to be a very, very interesting training camp in San Francisco. Question for the pot. From the perspective of a borderline draft prospect, what would the advantage be to get drafted in the seventh round versus going undrafted? A friend of a friend was immediately signed after the draft, and it would seem to me that being able to sign with whoever might be an advantage to following with the tide of who picks you. Given there's no guaranteed roster spot and plenty of undrafted free agents playing the NFL, I was hoping you could distinguish the two. Well, to me, there's two ways to look at it. There is, it's an honor to be drafted, right? To say whether you last one year in the NFL or five, being drafted in the NFL is pretty cool, right? But the most important thing, whether you're a seventh rounder or an undrafted free agent, once the draft ends, is playing in the NFL. And as an undrafted free agent, like if you draft me with the second to last pick, and I'm, let's just say, a wide receiver, because you had a fourth round grade on me and, and the team's like, shit, let's just take this guy. We'd want him as an undrafted free agent. Let's take him with our, you know, the second to last pick in the draft, get him on the team because we had a great grade on him. What if that team already has five guys that are a lock to make the team at wide receiver? I'm in major trouble, right? So if it was up to me and I was the player slash agent, I might not choose that team because as a, definitely the agent is the guy that the teams are talking with. He is trying to guide the player as an undrafted free agent to a play. Like if I'm an undrafted free agent running back, where would you want to go? To all the Shanahan guys. Why? <laughs> they run the ball. You'd want to go to a place that values running. So maybe Kyle could be McVay doesn't really as much. LaFleur, you know, Vrabel. I know technically he doesn't have a Shanahan guy, but you know what I mean? Like you want to go to a place where you they run the ball. And two, you look at the depth chart. You're like, well, they only got one guy who's a lock. Then they got these other guys. You could make the roster. Or if I was a defensive lineman, where do you want to go? To a place with a shitty defensive line. Would you rather get drafted, you know, pick, I, I don't even know how many picks are on the draft. Let's just, I'll just pick an even number. It changes by the year, right? 250. Let's just say 250. So 250 is the last dra- draft pick. Would you rather be the 247th pick? Again, I I know this number might be wrong, but let's just say 247th pick by the Philadelphia Eagles and be a defensive lineman and be like, well, they might have the defensive line in the draft or in the league or the Niners or just a team with a fantastic defensive line. Or would you rather be an undrafted free agent so you don't get drafted and be like, who's got the shittiest pass rush, right? Raiders, whoever, you know, and pick that team. I think it's pretty clear what you'd want to do. You want to go to the best place to give yourself a chance to succeed. Now, big picture, 
it's hard to make the NFL. So I, I think you can play that game, and, and sometimes it's completely obvious, right? You would rather, as a seventh-round quarterback, go to a place like... I'm trying to just think off the top of my head. Uh, let's just pick a team. The Bills. That just like, I might be able to make the team. Then go to a place with like four, like the 49ers. You wouldn't want the 49ers to draft you because you're not going to be able to make the 53-man roster. So, as you know, based on this year, obviously Purdy did last year. But even last year with Purdy, if it was up to Purdy, would he have chose the 49ers? You know, they had Trey Lance. They had just given $2 million to Sudfeld. So he was going to be the third pick or the third quarterback. Now, he turns out he beat Sudfeld out, but I don't think you would choose that team. You would rather go to a place where they had a set veteran and then maybe an older guy who might not be that good, if that's if I explain that well. But you see, also, it's it's kind of easy to overthink it. Every few years, a new position is coveted by teams in the NFL. What position do you see being the next position similar to wide receiver the last few years? Well, I think you can never have enough inside pass rushers, but I, you'd argue those are always coveted, right? I mean, I the reason wide receivers are more coveted now than maybe years in the past is because it's a passing game. So who impacts the passing game? Wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, offensive tackles, pass rushers, corners. All those guys are in demand. I, I think it just it just depends on specific schemes that are having a lot of success. You know, forever, everyone, once Pete Carroll had a lot of success with LOB and those guys became head coaches across the league, what happened? Everyone had want, everyone wanted tall bump and run corners. So it changes. I, I don't have a great answer for you there. Okay, last one. Any thoughts on the Spurs winning the draft lottery? And do you think this prolonged pop staying on as coach as he's been re- discussing retirement for years? One thing I think is funny, and this is why I think some coaches are better at than it than others of working the media. It's weird, right? Pop's an asshole to reporters on the sideline. He has had two of the most famous tank jobs in NBA history, but because he's won, no one ever looks at him like a tanker. We well, tanked for Duncan. He obviously tanked this year. Yet when other teams tank, we shit on them and destroy them. Pop can kind of get away from it. Now, it worked. And the thing with the NBA lottery is they, I'll give Adam Silver credit on this one, he changed the odds. So just because forever you had a huge advantage if you had one of the best records, right? You're basically guaranteed to be a top three pick. Well, now the teams with the worst records, I'm pretty sure they were just fourth and fifth. Detroit, you know, You're, you're not guaranteed anything. So there's clearly luck involved. Uh, One take on the prospect, he clearly like, I'm not going to try to zag on this one. He's clearly, you know, an elite prospect by all NBA personnel. When you do look at him, how often does a guy that size, you know, Kevin Durant is like an all-time outlier, right? To be that tall, that fluid, that athletic, and be that skilled is like, he's like Steph Curry, but he's seven feet tall, and he can play defense. You know, this guy's seven foot five. The concern for me would just be, does that body, is that just too big? <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, is that too big? Think about Yao Ming. When he was healthy, it was like, Jesus, this guy was, he was really turning into just an unstoppable player. But his body couldn't hold up. Now he's bigger, had more, carried more weight. But that, that's what concern me. Now, obviously, you take the guy number one overall, I do think the pressure on this guy is beyond immense. You know, when I was thinking the other day, like, who are the best prospects of, like, my adult life? So from, like, you know, high school on, the uh, early 2000s till now. You had LeBron. I'd put Andrew Luck. You know, Bryce Harper. I mean, the dude was on Sports Illustrated in, like, high school, and he's lived up to it. MVPs. He's a $300 million player. He's fucking awesome. Even Anthony Davis was a pretty elite prospect. Led Kentucky, number one overall pick. When you watch him play when he's on, you know, he's just an elite player. Like anything less than just every year being like an all-NBA guy is a complete disappointment, right? Like the pressure on Trevor Lawrence, anything but seven, eight Pro Bowls moving forward, and he plays in a conference, would be disappointing given the, given the hype. Because it's like, you know, he's right there with Andrew Luck. Well, Andrew Luck, who while he did retire early, 
Went to like four Pro Bowls in five or six years, you know? And he was kicking ass and taking names and winning. It was clear Andrew Luck was sweet immediately, right? LeBron, Bryce Harper. So this guy, you better be sweet immediately because the hype on him is outrageous. Now, you know, it's classic TV, right? People are arguing most, is he more hype prospect than LeBron? Of course not. LeBron, he, he was, LeBron translated better. You're like 6'8", that big, that athletic. When, when have we ever seen a guy this tall? It's just, it's very, he's just an outlier body type. And sometimes outlier body types, more often than not, they don't work. I, besides some highlights, it's not like I scouted the guy, but I just, I'd be a little nervous just health-wise. And I, I the hype is, everyone says he's going to live up to it. We'll see. Uh, fascinating to watch. It's what makes sports fun. That's what's fun about drafts, right? Hype on individual players. Uh, you know, Pop won't be there much longer, but I, I just, I do think the Spurs get a little bit of a pass, though. They've tanked, not consistently like Sam Hinkie, but they've done it. <laughs> they, they definitely did it this year. And when it works out, everyone celebrates you. Especially in a draft where you don't even need to think. The problem for Sam Hinkie is he kept tanking and then he had to think and he didn't pick the right guys. Beside Joel Embiid, he just wasn't picking the right players. This one is just a beepy fast, but you don't even need to think. Where it's like next year, you get the number one overall pick. It's like, oh, Caleb Williams. Okay, adios. Have a good weekend. Talk soon. Peace. volume mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we i'm tori deal and i'm anisa ferreira the wait is over guys all stars four is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.